Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar, and this is our special series, What to Say When You Hear Something Racist. On today's episode, I am going to guide you through how to reflect on power dynamics that are present in a situation in which you hear something racist and you want to say something. Before we jump into that, I just want to thank Shirley D. from India, who is a podcast supporter. Thank you, Shirley. And to learn more about becoming a podcast supporter, please check out the show notes where you'll find a link. Also, if you are not already following me on social media, then you will find links in the show notes to the places where we are active. And Instagram in particular is the best place to join the conversation that we kick off in the podcast. So I hope to see you there. All right, so let's jump into this exploration of the three-part framework that I have developed to guide you through figuring out what to say when you hear something racist. And I call this framework the three P's. And those three P's are purpose, power, and possibility. And I know that if you can think through these three P's when you witness something racist, you'll be able to figure out what to say in that moment. Now, every moment is unique and every moment is also similar to many other moments. So the more that you practice the three Ps, the easier it'll be to quickly cycle through those reflection points and make a decision about what to say. And the decision you arrive at could be to say something in the moment when you witness something racist, or it could be a decision to find a different moment. So I wanna be clear on this. When we hear something racist, I'm not implying that we need to take immediate action. Sometimes we do, and sometimes it can be better to wait. So I'm just reminding you of that. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to dive into the second P, power. And I want to start off by sharing some words with you from the great writer, Alice Walker, who said, The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. So I want you to take those words in. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. So when we talk about power, we are talking about fear and threat. And examining a situation through a lens of looking at power can help us determine the real levels of threat and therefore the real levels of fear. So fear is an emotion that can be helpful. Fear is trying to help us, right? It's trying to keep us safe. And sometimes it is absolutely essential to listen to our fear And sometimes the fear that arises is not in response to what's actually happening in that moment. Sometimes it's a fear of what could happen in the future. 
And sometimes the fear is activated because of past experiences that might make us feel like the current danger is actually bigger than it really is. More often than not, I think that when we hear something racist, there's actually much less of a threat than what we actually think or feel in that moment. We perceive a much bigger danger than what is truly in front of us. And I want to acknowledge that is not to say that there might not be a threat. There might be something that we might lose. The threat that we perceive what we're afraid of might actually be a threat to a relationship. And that is often the case. Okay, so someone says something racist and we think, you know, if I say something back, am I going to upset them or offend them? Are they going to feel really uncomfortable? Are they going to start thinking about me as being the racism police? Are they not going to want to be around me? Are they not going to want to be my friend? So that might be a real danger. And look, you know, if you are around a whole bunch of people who are really racist and say racist things all, all the time, yeah, there might be a legitimate danger that if you speak up and if you speak up again and again, you might lose your friends, your family, your community, your work colleagues. I'm not going to downplay that there actually might be a threat to losing some relationships. And that might not be the case. That fear of the threat to a relationship might be exaggerated. Now, this evaluation of danger and threat is connected to the third P, which is possibility, and which we will explore in the next episode. But I want to make that connection to possibility right now, because when we evaluate for danger, we also need to evaluate for possibility and for the possibility that a relationship could improve or even deepen, that a relationship could even transform as a result of you saying something. So we'll come back to that in the next episode. In this stage of evaluating the situation, you evaluate power dynamics. And you can evaluate power dynamics according to three levels. So level one is where power between you and the other person is held equally. Level two is where you have more power than the other person. And level three is where the other person has more power than you. So these three levels are complex and deserve to be unpacked. Let's start with the first level where you might say power is held equally. So imagine you are with a bunch of colleagues, maybe you're in a meeting and you all have equal positional power. Let's say you are all teachers and someone says something racist. So in this step, as you evaluate power, you might think, well, that person's not my boss and I'm not afraid that I'm going to lose my, my job if I say something. 
which might not even be the case if you did say something to your boss. Let's, I just want to acknowledge that. But let's say, okay, with this colleague, you think power is held equally right here and right now. And yes, that might simply be the conclusion that you come to. Or in some cases, you might also recognize that well, that person who said something racist is my colleague, is another teacher, but he's been here for 20 years and I'm in my second year. There might be ways in which power is held equally and there might be other ways in which you feel like, actually, he has more power than I do. Even though when you just look at your roles or your position of power, it seems equal. And what if the opposite is true? You might think, yeah, we're colleagues. But what if you are the person who actually has more positional power? Maybe you are the department head. Or maybe you are closer to the principal and everyone knows that the principal listens to you. All right, so that's the first level where power might be held equally. Now, on the second level where you believe you have more power over someone because of your positional authority, things might seem more clear cut because maybe you are the principal and you hear a teacher say something racist and you think, okay, well, this is easy. There's not much danger here because I'm the principal and so I can say something. So let me complexify this because it is complex because what if the teacher who you need to say something to is someone who has a lot of influence over other teachers. And you have that feeling like if I piss this teacher off and this teacher's going to take it that way, then they're going to go rally everyone else and make my life miserable. So this is complex. This is all complex. And I want us to honor the complexity and be with it. Now, the third level of power is one in which you believe that the other person or the other people have more power. And this could be that those other people are your parents, maybe your boss, maybe your pastor. And in this situation, it's really critical to dig into what you believe as being the real threat. And getting clear on the danger is essential in order for you to figure out if you're willing to take that risk. Maybe there's a risk of losing a relationship with a beloved aunt or an old high school friend or your partner teacher or your pastor or your boss. I'll say that I find that when people explore the dangers that they're perceiving, there is less real threat than what they initially thought. When people start describing their fears, you know, like what if she gets really defensive? Or what if she stops inviting me to family reunions? I follow up by asking, and what's the fear behind that? 
And what's the fear behind that? And what are you really afraid of? What are you really afraid of? You know, someone says something like, well, I'm just afraid I won't know how to respond. And so I say, and what's the fear behind that? And we keep doing this kind of fear walk, this exploration of fears. It can be really, really helpful to get clear on the core fears and the other feelings that can be in the periphery, which often includes sadness. A lot of times when we start exploring fear, we also come across sadness. Okay, but exploring fear can also help you find a springboard for what to say. So, for example, let's say you're afraid of saying something to your father or your grandmother about their racism. You're afraid of losing that relationship, of of there being a rift between the two of you. You could go to your father or your grandmother and say, I love you. I value our relationship. I want you in my life. I can't imagine not having the kind of closeness we have. And it's really hard for me to hear the racist things you say about Asians. Can we talk about this? So I hope that you are beginning to see how exploring the three P's can help you figure out what to say. And at this stage of the three P's, when we explore power and explore power dynamics and the fears and the threats that loom around power, you might find some really clear entry points for what to say. All right, something else I want to name that is really important is that your identity in your identity markers and the experiences that you've had based on those identities will come up when you reflect on power. So if you are someone who has had a marginalized identity, if you are a person of color, and if you are in situations in which the other person or people don't share those identity experiences, then the power dynamics are gonna be more complex. There's more to unpack. And so let's say you are a woman of color and you are a leader, you're a principal or a team leader or a business leader, and you think, well, I've got more power over my staff, over my teammates, over my employees, because I have positional power. I'm the boss. And let's say the person that you need to talk to, that you want to talk to, who said something racist, is a white person. There is a larger context, a broader power dynamic to acknowledge, and that will play a role in your sense of the danger or the threat in that situation. So this is complicated, but this awareness might help you find a springboard to open up the conversation. So for example, you might say, hey, I wanna have a conversation about a statement that I heard you make at our team meeting last week. And I wanna acknowledge that I'm your boss and also that for me as a woman of color, given the broader context in which we live and work, given 
our society, our inherently racist society, there are ways in which I and folks who look like me who share my identity markers have less power. And that's just really present with me as we begin this conversation. In saying something like that, yes, you're acknowledging that you might have some power in some ways as being the boss and in the larger society, there are ways in which you have less power. And when you say something like that, you are elevating, surfacing the underlying power dynamics, both between you and the other person in your relationship, but also in the larger societal context. You're pointing at those. You're saying, here we are. Here's what I see. Here's what I need to acknowledge. And then you say, in our meeting last week, you made a comment about whatever it was, and I want to unpack that. So I'm giving you some frames that you can use to open conversations in which you are acknowledging power. You're acknowledging the power dynamic and perhaps naming some of the threats and fear. So when the threats and fear are in the shadows, that's when they're really dangerous. And when we can see them, we're going to be more empowered. Okay, wow. It, I feel like in these episodes, there is just, I feel like I keep saying there's so much more to unpack. This is so complex. And I'm just giving you this preliminary overview. I want to dig deeper into many of these complexities that I'm surfacing. And I also think, I believe, this content is going to be a book. It is one of the projects I'm working on this year because there is so much more to say so much more to say about what to say when you hear something racist. All right, folks, so that is this episode. I also want to just finally name that if you are intrigued by this brief conversation about power, I have a new book coming out in May of 2022, and it is co-written with my teammate, Lori Cohen. And the book is called The PD Book, and it is all about how to Create Transformative Professional Development. And it's based on seven habits that you can incorporate into your leadership that will enable you to create transformative PD. And one of those habits is on navigating power. And so if this is something you wanna learn more about, then that chapter in the book, that chapter, which is all about the habit of navigating power, is going to give you a lot to think about. And as I just said, it's coming out in May of 2022. You can pre-order it now. And just in case you don't know, pre-orders are really important. They make a big difference in how many copies the publishers will print for the first edition in how our book shows up in searches and so on. And so just know that if you pre-order it right now, Lori and I are really grateful to you. All right, folks, that is it for this episode. And in the next episode, I'll be telling you about the third P, possibility. 
In the meantime, if you have found this episode or this series useful, I'd be so grateful if you would share it with just one other person. All right, friends, I want to thank Leslie Bickford, who is the podcast producer, and Stacey Goodman, who does the sound engineering. I'll see you next time.